0: My goal was not to come out there and turn men on. My goal was to come out there and do this ritual where I would put a spell on them and hypnotize them. My body was really hot and I had this reptile that was cold and I was improvising the dance. So I had to move with him and he led me through the dance. It was the snake that taught me how to dance. So I can't take all the credit for it. I hated Robert and Quentin for two months because I wanted to get out of it. You know, I wanted just to do the dance without the snake and they wouldn't let me out. And I'm like, they knew I hated snakes. Why didn't they pick another animal? This is the one thing I detest in life. But once I got over the fear, I was very thankful because it made me feel very brave that I was able to overcome that. George is definitely a star. He has that presence, you know, in camera. You cannot get sick of looking at him. Quentin, he's a genius writing. And I actually think he's very good in this movie as an actor. And Robert is a brilliant director. So it was a great combination of three totally different personalities that got along so well but they're all kids, they're little boys, the three of them.
1: Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. Mm -hmm. Hello. Hi. Kat is joining us this week all the way from San Diego. How's it going out there, Kat?
2: You literally have no idea how hard it's going to be for me to come back because every day has been 75, maybe 80, sunny, sunny. Zero humidity like I know everybody talks about like a dry heat and you're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but holy shit I haven't sweat like the whole time. I'm out here <laughs> I've just been like poolside the whole time. It's been a very magical moment. I don't want to come back But I also don't want to uh, Have to live with my stepdad out here. So it's really a it's really a Sophie's choice well, I've, I've been following your stories, and it's it's like the only thing that's
1: changed is the background. You're you're staying right on brand, I feel like, but the <laughs> yeah. background yeah. is still drinking yeah. a lot of you Miller Lite. You look like Light. you're photoshopped uh, <laughs> into every picture. <laughs> true.
2: Still poolside, oceanside, whatever you. Uh, but yeah, but now I just get to do it in uh, San Diego, which uh, it's a lot better than Maine. I see a lot less people I know when I go out, so uh, it's really a win-win paradise for me. I will be returning, though, in the next couple of days, so well, it unfortunately is, it is, for me, fortunately for everyone else in Portland, hopefully. It
3: is mean that this week I am home, so I am in person with Trent and Dave right now, and I don't get to see you.
2: Yeah, that's the biggest bummer for me of this whole trip, is that we did not plan our trips accordingly, Kevin. No. So but- next, time, <laughs> next time my mom tells me she's going to pay for my entire vacation to go out and visit my stepdad in California... She'll I'll call me. I'll make sure that you're not going to be home.
3: Yeah, she'll call me first. During
2: that. Yeah. Have, I'll have Lisa Jean call you. You guys can figure it out and then we'll go from there. Well, it's I also- went to the zoo today. Sorry, I don't want to talk about the I did about go the to zoo. the zoo. I think I had some really nice commentary if um, anyone out there wants to watch my um I did do some Instagram highlights of uh Valium cat at the zoo. And I thought I came up with some really good... um, Quips. Some really good commentary on the animals. You want to give your at,
1: cat? Not while we're brand building personally here? Go ahead. Why don't you... What's that? Why don't you give them the at if we're doing some personal brand building? Oh,
2: at C-A-T-S-M-T-H. Please don't slide into my DMs. I don't need any more of that. Um, But maybe just follow me for the yucks. Well,
1: we can get into your yucks because it's Cat's week to shine. We're continuing Yay. our decades series. We've talked about the 70s. We've talked about the 80s. This week, our resident 90s kid has come up with a couple 90s
2: movies for us to check out. Cat, what have you brought mm-hmm. us this week? Here's what I've brought this week. I think I've brought the heat, personally. <laughs> this might be the best week yet. <laughs> I guess it's t- TBD. Um, I'm biased though. My first pick for 90s Week is the 1996 film From Dusk Till Dawn, written by Quentin Tarantino and directed by Robert Rodriguez. On the run from a bank robbing that left several police officers dead, Seth Gecko and his paranoid loose cannon brother, P- Richie, must hightail it to the Mexican border. Kidnapping preacher Jacob Fuller and his kids, the criminals sneak across the border in the family RV and hold up in a topless bar by the name of the Titty Twister. Nice. It's there that they find more than just outlaws and bikers, but instead a horde of vampires that they must defend themselves from until dawn arrives. I thought that this would be an obvious 90s horror pick, uh, not just for the Tarantino, but mostly for the Clooney. George Clooney played the lead brother, Seth, and he alone is obviously a 90s staple, you know, with ER and guest spots and other romantic comedies and whatnot. I think that this is a pretty obviously written by Tarantino movie due to a lot of racist and homophobic dialogue whether it be you know s- satirical or not um but also because of all the weird foot stuff that happens throughout the film i noticed that there's a lot of weird foot shots a lot of weird salma hayek delivering uh <laughs> booze via foot but to how, mouth how come all three situation? of us those- situation
4: all three of us just cleared our throats at the same time <laughs> when she started talking about the foot stuff <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you guys noticed that that was kind of really weird I, I was only doing
1: it because Dave's so I know up what like, all of you uh, share in
4: common because we got athletes um, throat is that I right I think
2: <laughs> I think you could also tell it's uh, a Rodriguez movie because of the like explosions and yes. you know yes the dick the dick guns obviously it's a super entertaining movie it feels more like an action movie uh, for the first half, and then that, it kind of feels that way for the second half, but they just add some vampire stuff in. But, you know, there's just like a lot of weapons, a lot of cool stuff going on. I appreciated like the, you know, the, the cross like shotgun situation that they were going for. That was a cool one. Um, And I don't I don't hate it. You know, I don't hate an action movie with vampires and like cool weapons. It's it's just not the spookiest I feel like it could have been. I feel like it could have taken taken another another level in in the horror aspect. Um, But we did get to see Selma Hayek do a sexy little snake dance, which I'm sure we were all very excited about. But yeah, Tom Savini, definitely my pick for Daddy of the Week. If anyone oh, dis- wow. disagrees wow. with me, Sex machine. I'll, I'm going to rip my dick gun out. I'm going to shoot you. But yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed uh, watching this uh, beautiful film.
3: Oh, this is near and dear to my heart. I, I don't think I ever caught this in the theaters. I think it would have come out at a time when I was like probably super poor and maybe just like didn't understand but what's interesting to me is that we had already gotten like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction before we got from Dust Till Dawn. But I'll talk about a little bit later, maybe in like a, a more spoilery ending, uh, as to how this movie got made and why Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction came out before it. And also, this was George Clooney's first feature film,
1: right? I was—that's what I thought. It's crazy,
3: yeah. like, and he goes from like ER heartthrob to mm-hmm. neck tattooed like psycho. Uh this I love this movie. There's tons of problems with this movie, but there's so many people involved in it that were just pouring their heart into it. Robert Rodriguez is one of the most likable directors I've ever ever had the pleasure of being a fan of Tarantino not so much, but I'm always mm. like super into like what Tarantino was going to do or say next, and having him be an actor in this movie is great. He's actually really good in this movie yep yep. um and I love it I I love that Tarantino had already written Natural Born Killers with Juliette Lewis and there's a ton of debate that I love falling down the rabbit hole on on what Oliver Stone did to that to the point where Tarantino's credits were story by when Tarantino had actually written that script I also love that he had done True Romance Oh, and given that off to another director, right, like right, so, right. this is like him. Yeah, he went. So here's how this movie got made. He went to Robert Kurtzman, of K and B. So Kurtzman, Nicotero, and and Berger. So Howard Berger, Greg Nicotero, which is special effects gods. And Kurtzman had this had this story, this treatment about vampires. And Tarantino was like, hey, I need some effects. I need someone's ear cut off in uh, Reservoir Dogs. So could you maybe help me with that? And Kirsten was like, I'll do all the effects on Reservoir Dogs for free with my homies. If you'll take this treatment, I'll give you 1500 bucks, and you write a full screenplay from this story treatment that I have. And that's this is Tarantino's first credited script writing because he actually got paid for it and he did it, and I love what he did. It's all the elements of natural born killers, of true romance, and it's almost like what Rob Zombie wished he could have done with The Devil's Rejects. I love the first part of this movie, Harvey Keitel being the mm. dad that they end up you know, kidnapping. Juliette Lewis is unbelievable in this. It totally brought me back to Cape Fear that we talked about and the yeah. character she plays in that. It goes to her character, Natural Born Killers. Um, I love Scott, the son. I mean, I don't think this dude would ever go on to act again. Uh, He even gets like an introducing credit in the movie. But just having like the Gecko Brothers be total psychos trying to get to the Mexican border, which is a super cliche criminal thing to do. And then getting to the the titty twister. Thank you, Kat, for just breaking the seal on that. Getting to the titty <laughs> twister and having l- like literally the most bonkers, no rules. This movie is purely about who can act okay in this situation and who can make the best effects to make us believe this. But by the way, there are no rules. They have a – like George Clooney has a quick – well, I guess the group has a quick conversation about, are these vampires? And he's like, I don't fucking believe in vampires, but I'm pretty sure I just saw vampires, so what are the rules? And everyone goes over the rules. I, I don't know. I'm going to pass this to Dave because I have so much to talk about this movie. I-, I It's one of those movies that it should not work. It totally works. And it's one of my favorite movies from this decade.
4: It's one of my favorite movies from the decade as well. But when I first saw this, I remember leaving the theater extremely disappointed uh, because of I love the character development in the beginning so much and I love how grimy Tarantino, psychological it is and then I was not ready for a, an abrupt like lowbrow, it's almost like a zombie video game where you're just shooting the zombies but they're vampires and uh, it's just like splatter, splatter, splatter and it's really fun and now You know, part of the thing, I I don't really like the 90s. This is some of the best of the 90s. There's still some effects that I think they were still kind of getting their their footing around like some CGI effects that were kind of bad. But a lot of the effects uh, that you could tell were real or that were, you know, done uh, like practical effects were amazing in this. Um, I just always wished I had a time machine and could go back. And I feel like it's kind of like an unfinished thought in a way because it it switches so abruptly. Like as soon as Salma Hayek starts dancing, it's like a completely different movie from there out. And it's like they don't care as much about things. And, um, you know, Quentin Tarantino did a lot of that in like the Grindhouse stuff where he did this thing – where he tried to be as '70s exploitation as possible, and he like dumbed down the dialogue to a point where it's like almost like actually like the really boring <laughs> like old <laughs> yeah. grindhouse movies. And I feel like in this he just totally leaned into the like I got Tom Savini here, you know. Um, and honestly, his acting was amazing. I was super sad when he died. What I hoped was gonna happen. Uh, Almost like a Shaun of the Dead type of thing. I was hoping that Clooney had some sort of like uh, safe word that made uh, Quentin Tarantino's character like Richie, Richie get back, get back, and not be a psychopath. And that maybe they could still hang out when he was a vampire. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like he could say something and be like, like. Richie, hey, Mama, whatever.
1: <laughs>
3: but, the,
2: but the line, but like, Sun's like, the line, here is the getting real low.
3: in death that I could never give you in life.
4: Right, that was that was good. Um, yeah, Clooney is on maximum alpha male expert level in this, um, just all the time, just dismissing everyone with a, his leather jacket and his you know grimy car. But uh, yeah, I, I love it. Uh, it's great. Um, Like I said, I would have liked to have seen it lean a little bit more into the Tarantino side of it, but still be a horror movie. I was really looking forward to that. I thought it would be something I'd never seen before. But instead, it was a bit of an homage uh, to a lot of people involved. Um, Yeah. what What did you think, Trent?
1: You know, I love this movie now. I didn't love it at the time when I, the first time I saw it, and I'm gonna go like I, Kevin. I have kind of like an opposite view of this. I love it now, but I think that this movie, on paper, should have been one of my favorite movies of all time.
0: Okay, yeah, you've got I the agree.
1: Tarantino screenplay. You've got Robert Rodriguez. You've got Keitel. You've got Clooney. You've got Juliette Lewis. You've got Salma Hayek. You've got Danny Trejo. Yes. Cheech Marin, you know Fred Williamson. Okay, times. at a uh, at a bar in Mexico filled with vampires. This should have been the greatest thing ever, and I was disappointed. But now, when I watch it, I, I feel like for me personally, this is a movie where context kind of matters, and you know maybe it, it shouldn't ideally, but I think you have to keep in mind, or at least I do, you have to watch this movie knowing the context in which it was made, which was. Tarantino is coming off Pulp Fiction, and before that, Reservoir Dogs. Rodriguez is coming off uh, Mariachi, his first movie, and Desperado. These guys are at the very forefront of the 90s indie film explosion. They are experiencing all the success that they ever wanted in their lives. They're the toasts of the town, and they're BFFs. These guys have done tons of stuff you know. since this movie. Um, I feel like They got twenty million dollars, which is twice the budget, more than twice the budget of Pulp Fiction, more than twice the budget of Desperado. Wow. They got twenty million dollars and A-list stars. And I feel like this is just like two bros in the sandbox indulging like every excess, like making like the movie that their teenage selves would have wanted to see at the midnight drive-in, like three nights in a row or whatever, and they're just like. Going totally crazy, doing everything, so
4: almost like a music collab.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, Where yeah. you
4: decided to do something different because you know. So I wanted to be more Quentin Tarantino, but it wasn't yeah. because of that.
1: I I didn't think that. To me, I don't think they were trying to make something that in thirty years people look back on and say, "Wow, this is like a a milestone in film." Like each of them had already made and would continue to make. They were just trying to like have the best time ever. I feel like the the screenplay. You know, for Tarantino, I feel like it's kind of weak. I mean, he is known, especially at this point, he's known for that, like, crackling dialogue. All the, like, every line is legendary. He's known for that in Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. You know, the dialogue in this is like, I, I just, I get the feeling that he just, like, went on a weekend bender and wrote this movie like this is just pure fun. And so when I watch it with that attitude, I love it. It's just, it's great. They're just having so much fun. And I think the fun is infectious. I would have done some things differently. I agree with both of you guys that Tarantino's performance is my favorite part of this. I think he could have been a great actor. He has this like, whenever he acts, he, he's so natural. You never... Think like, oh, it's Quentin Tarantino trying to act. It just—he's right. the character. He like yeah. he's so believable. He just has this kind of like, this natural I think, feel. I that. think that's
3: because he's such a psycho outside of that. <laughs> like if you watch interviews with Tarantino, or if you watch the documentary on this movie, he's a nutbag. So when he's acting, he's reining it
1: in. And I think he's really, really yeah. good at that. He like, is, right. He is, he's reigning himself in when he's doing these performances, and he's, he's just really fun to watch. I thought he did a great job as Richie. I thought he was better than Clooney, who was great in this, but you can tell he's at the beginning of his feature film career. He's a TV star, and this is the first time he's been the leading man in a feature film, which I have some, some thoughts on the way this movie should have been made, but um, I love this one. It's a great, if you're looking for a 90s horror movie and you just want to have some fun, this is on HBO Max right now. Uh, Or you can rent it pretty much anywhere.
2: I just... It's not that I don't like Quentin Tarantino as an actor. It's just that, again, I feel like it's just him just saying all the things that he just wants to be able to say out loud. But because he's written it into a film, he's then allowed to drop the N-word. He's then allowed to talk about raping people. He's then about to lick feet he just he's just so <laughs> obsessed with feet i thought we I didn't just have shame. a problem getting don't, over cat. Don't can you and not it's shame, just
4: I you're going know. all censor on him right now
2: <laughs> i'm not trying
3: <laughs> it's a video nasty
2: listen i'm not trying to video nasty anybody it's real all right i'm just saying he's good at these roles because he literally is probably that person because he's such a fucking freak Anyway, it's as
3: fair. It's fair. Both movies you pick do not hold up well. And I think a lot of 90s movies don't. And and we can but get into that. Yeah. Uh, they've got sure. their
2: lovable moments.
1: The 90s was about like shock value. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, it's, it, I mean, if
1: by hold up, well, I think both of these movies that we're going to talk about hold up great. But some of the social mores. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm getting at. You, you wouldn't do a lot of the things that are done in either of these movies. You wouldn't do those. You me. would
3: always kill the band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> both movies had it right, killing the band.
4: Oh, right. The band dies
3: in both movies.
4: Kevin, you
1: mentioned. Oh. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What a, the flesh no, guitar. No, I'm just
2: saying, let's talk about that fucking all of a sudden vampire band is now playing human <laughs> instruments. Yeah. That was, a very, uh, that was a very. Torso guitar surprise. is dope. <laughs> yeah.
1: I totally forgot about the human torso guitar. Oh, um, yeah. Kevin, you we mentioned make one. Juliette Lewis, we just saw in Cape Fear. And you mentioned Natural Born Killers. I thought it was interesting that the last time we saw Juliette Lewis on the show was in Cape Fear, which was 91, so a good five years or so before this. She played in that movie this, like, teenage, like, Lolita fantasy for some creepy, disgusting villain guy. And it was, like, pretty sexually charged and kind of, like, uncomfortable in that movie. And then in this movie... She plays uh, a teenage Lolita fantasy for a creepy, disgusting. Like guy, natural warren killer. Like, it's it's like kind of creepy like is like I'll, kind of I'll the tell you, thing. I'll tell
3: you what. I'll tell you there's a documentary that you can get on Prime. Uh it's called Full Tilt Boogie. And you can rent it. And it's an hour and forty minute documentary on the making of From Dust Till Dawn. And if you're a fan of this movie, Or a fan of Juliette Lewis, I would encourage you to watch this because there's one scene where they have a night out, the cast and crew, and they just go to a karaoke bar and Juliette Lewis does four non-blondes, the hey, oh wow, hey, wow. Hey. And you oh. get to see George Clooney and Tarantino like drunkenly swaying and <laughs> singing along. It literally makes you love Juliette Lewis as much as you think that you would love her if you were hanging out with her. Uh, she is so good. Um, I love her in the doc, but in the movie, oh my God. Great um, job, yeah. And Rodriguez, and we talked about Tarantino's performance, but... Obviously, uh, Tarantino, Richie is coming out to be a real fucking psychopath in this movie. So, the Gecko Brothers, Richie has broken Seth out of jail. They are taking, trying to get the money to Mexico. They have one of Tarantino's trademark great opening sequences with Michael Parks as the sheriff at the gas station. They kidnap Harvey Keitel as Jacob and then Kate and Scott, Juliette Lewis, and her brother, and then you get some of these unbelievable moments of Tarantino's psychosis where every time you see it through his eyes, there's this like phasing done to the audio where it like sort of like takes you like it makes the hair for me it made like the hair on my arms stand up like and then Juliet Lewis looks at Tarantino and is like, Richie, would you eat my pussy for me, please? And it's one of the most disturbing. It's more fucked up than anything in Cape Fear and Natural Born Killers. Like it goes that the extra step. It's the extra <laughs> step. And in the documentary, it shows Juliette Lewis doing this. And she doesn't say please. And you hear Robert Rodriguez go, can you just add a please at the end? And I'm like, what the fuck? Like I love being in the minds of these people. Uh, but Juliette Lewis in this movie is astounding and i will say that the ending how how the movie wrapped up for her is perfect i would have denounced this movie if one (laughs) little scene hadn't gone the way it did where she was trying to go with clooney and he was like hey look i'm an asshole but i'm not that much of an asshole go home
4: when you're talking about quentin's like mind things that are going on when you juxtapose that with tom savini's slapstick transformation like that <laughs> yeah. you know when tom savini's like uh he got bit by a vampire and he's going to become a vampire um but you know it's always that person that doesn't want to tell anybody because they know that you you're going to get a stake through the heart or something mm-hmm. as soon as you let them know that you might transform to a, a vampire or zombie yeah. or whatever so he's like trying to hide it <laughs> And it's really it's really funny, but it's I I love his uh, the slapstick comedy at the end, and and that mixed with Quentin Tarantino's acting in the beginning is su- such a confusing, weird mix up of movie. Like it's like I said, it's like two different movies because there's none of that comic relief at all in the beginning. They're developing all the characters, Harvey Keitel and Juliette Lewis, and. And the the brothers' relationship and that the scene with the lady from the bank is so oh. disturbing and they do it so well yeah. where they're just showing yeah. Clooney's oh, reaction yeah. <laughs> and uh <laughs> Miss Brother like kind of millisecond
3: like, cuts in of the gore. Like yeah.
4: you don't really see it, then you see a yeah. far shot of it when they're walking out of the room. But uh that stuff is like really disturbing and to mix that with like zany vampires and to have Richie's end just be like so sudden it's so sudden and not epic at all it has no significance and Clooney's just kind of on to like what he's got to do
3: it goes it goes to the making of the movie it goes to the fact that it was Kurtzman an FX guy Tarantino an aspiring screenwriter who would had some some success but like hadn't been able to like attach his name to something because again, this was in development hell forever. So he was he coming in up... like
4: one weekend a month at this point. At the point where he died, his character was just done with the movie. I feel like at one point, Quentin Tarantino just leaves. No, but what I'm when saying he is, when he like, dies, this, the... also his directing style leaves
3: with him. No, but the whole purpose, yes. So, so yes, to your point, the whole purpose was Tarantino was writing a Tarantino movie for half of it, and then leaving the back half for Kurtzman, Nicotero, Berger. Savini you can't tell me that having Savini (laughs) even though he's not credited you can't tell me Savini didn't have something to do with the effects like it was like I'm going to do a a Tarantino movie for the first half and then I'm going to let the effects guys show off so that all of us can get better gigs in the future And like this movie is more grindhouse than fucking grindhouse that Rodriguez and Tarantino would try to do and they did it like unintentionally
4: Well, we always talk about the like the circles of all the actors and directors in horror that all work together, and it's cool that you can tell that Tarantino's a fan of horror by watching this movie because of you know who's uh you know who he's working with and it's like he's in those circles and he's respecting what they do you know what I mean there's a lot of freedom going on here there's a lot of collaboration
2: um I would like to bring up Danny Trejo,
1: yes, a he young Danny
3: Trejo obviously. Machete.
2: Oh, three chef kisses to a young Danny Trejo, especially when he turns into a vampire. He gets daddy, and I like it. To be honest, yeah, I don't know. I, I think a lot of
4: the main guys, like that giant black dude Fred uh, Williamson, yeah, yes, he, right. His transformation into a vampire is great, and Tom Savini's is great. Like those vampires, like the main character vampires, are really, really good. Yeah. Cheech Marin's vampire three. Super, cheech, three
2: three characters how many playing characters, three characters does cheech marin play in <laughs> I this forgot movie that, yeah. is the real maybe question. that's a
4: joke to like how uh racist americans are like they won't <laughs> notice they'll just oh <laughs> exactly He plays right, like every right. mexican <laughs>
2: so <laughs> he literally has like five different roles each one great each one better than the last they won't notice but like I'm like, is that Cheech Re- again? Cheech is coming up? Along with
1: Trejo and Fred Williamson, who was a star of a bunch of, like, 70s black exploitation movies, you also have John Saxon, who we've seen a number of times as the, uh, the cop who fills everyone in that and lets man. them know about the dirty background of these criminals. So, again, like, they're just paying tribute to all of their heroes in exploitation movies of the past. Like, it's just, it's so steeped in that kind of nostalgia. I think that my hottest take on this movie relates to what you were saying, Dave, about the end of Richie's, Richie um, and the kind of lack of character development in this, the lack of any sort of serious arc for anyone, the, the star of this movie should have been Harvey Keitel as Jacob. He yes. Yes. should have mm-hmm. been the main mm-hmm. character. If I was going to remake From Dusk Till Dawn today, first of all, I would go serious like near dark style treatment. And the story would be Jacob, who is the um, the minister yes. and the father of two kids. He has lost his faith. He's the faithless minister, and he uh, his wife has died in a car accident. So he's the thing he's devoted his whole life to the mission, the faith, the Lord is all in question now. He's kind of lost everything, and he's taking his kids to Mexico on this vacation. He's like searching. So if you were going to be serious about this movie and not just like like laughing on a pile of money like like Tarantino and rog- Rodriguez are doing in this movie, you would to me, that would be your character. The story would be about his journey, Jacob's kind of arc from losing his family to, to yeah, to ending up kidnapped in Mexico at a bar with vampires. Like that would be but instead he just kinda gets dispatched well, like like Richie You're like Al yeah, take well, both of those you know. things.
4: You take both of the things we we're saying and you keep Richie alive. Yeah. And kill Clooney. Keep keep Richie alive And keep Jacob alive Right And then No The story is like When you have to help Each other out But then After you finish Helping each other out You're faced With a person It's like Pulp Fiction does that Kind of So you would have Those two against each other Morally Now that all the, The vampires are gone they, they're faced with their last you know, enemy or whatever. But I do think that that's why I was disappointed the first time I watched it. Yeah. Um, and now I realize I can't change the 90s anymore. <laughs> I don't have a time machine. There's nothing I can do about the 90s. I just have to accept the 90s for what it is. So, um,
3: yeah, I thought it was... Well, we, we, did, we did have a young Danny Trejo, which I will also say Danny Trejo was 52 in this movie.
1: <laughs> what? Um, nice. But as
3: far as and, and I believe oh. that Danny Trejo and Robert Rodriguez are like second or third cousins. Oh, uh, okay. And obviously oh, Rodriguez okay. uh Trejo shows up in a ton of, of Rodriguez things. Okay. Um But I mean again, like I'll go back to the documentary. It's really interesting, like they shot this film in reverse. So the last scene of the movie that they shot was uh what is it, Benny's Benny's Booze or whatever. The, the liquor store that they're at in the oh, in the cold that's, open.
1: That's maybe my favorite part of the whole movie. It, yeah. That
3: was the last thing they shot. They were literally waiting for like the sun to get right and the clouds to come over so they could film Tarantino and Clooney walking out of that after the fire after the the whole fire scene. But what I will say, like Trent, you mentioned, like the dialogue was like a little not quite Tarantino. A off, yeah, Michael Parks as the sheriff and the whole dialogue in the that beginning. It? I love That, that. Yes. is classic Tarantino. That, yes. So he would yes. go on to use Michael Parks and Rodriguez would as well, in a bunch of movies. But one thing I'd Michael Parks is the dude from Tusk. From the Kevin Smith horror oh, movie. Oh wow! Like, He's the dude oh, from that. No. Like that's him. Like 20 wow. years later. He's also
4: from Red State. Yes, If you guys have seen that. Yeah, one and Kevin series. Smith would oh, use him in
3: that. Oh wow! Wow. wow. Uh, but that whole opening is unbelievable. Yeah. Like yeah. just the dialogue between the the performance of oh god what was his name the uh, Benny who played Benny the performance of the guy that guy.
1: The counter? Huh. The guy behind the counter.
3: Yes. Yeah. That performance was so good. In like, I didn't fucking signal him. Like, yeah, it was just awesome. <laughs> that was Reservoir
1: like, Dog stuff. Yes. That yes, whole scene. Yes. Was. That
3: that's that's definitely patent Tarantino.
2: The cop Earl, right? That's yeah. his name.
3: Yeah, Earl McGraw.
2: <laughs> Doesn't he show up as the same character in many other Tarantino films? Yeah, Kill, Bill, Kill Bill,
3: Terror, Death Proof. Yes.
2: So, what is the timeline of all of these films? Like, did this come out last, technically, in the in the Tarantino timeline?
1: Well, this would be the first. I don't think he was in Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs, right? This was the third. This was before Jackie Brown. So, I think this would be so, his first appearance.
2: But what I'm saying, like, canon-wise, in the Tarantino universe, if this is the film that Sheriff Earl dies in. Does that mean that kill bill took place beforehand? Oh wow. That's a great that's
3: question, cats. Cat. Hmm? I bet there's a Reddit. I bet there's a Reddit. Sub on that. I bet there's You go Some, ahead and take that Reddit. time because I'm not going to.
1: Um, can we get a shout out for Mommy of the Week? Suma Hayek? Oh yes oh. Definitely. oh, what's her name? Mistress
2: of the Macab. Uh Sun Sun. Sant'Anico San Pandemonium. Sant'Anico <laughs> Pandemonium.
1: <laughs> Incredible scene. Mommy of the Week by a mile. Doesn't get to do a whole lot after that, but that was a great scene. Like Dave, you said, that's where the movie changes. And I, I don't know. I, I thought I liked how that worked because everyone in the whole movie and everyone watching the movie is just like stopped in their tracks by Salmaiah <laughs> coming mm-hmm. out Damn. with mm-hmm. the snake, you know, pre Britney. yes, before Brit- all yeah. of that. Uh, yeah, it's Britney, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> Great soundtrack. I loved all the Stevie Ray Vaughan in this movie. Yeah. The ZZ Top, like all that all grimy Texas. like Tex-Mex blues stuff going on was really good. Yeah,
3: and this was uh this was a financial success. Like you said, Trent, yep. like 18 to 20 million dollar
1: budget, uh 60 million dollar box office haul. Everyone walked away happy yeah. and went on their way to do bigger and better things. And had things. no
3: intentions of like continuing it. But we no. did get some sequels, we got a TV show. Um mm. but I think that was because it became a cult classic. It wasn't because everyone was like I want more from Dust Till Dawn right no. now. No, This was one of those that like carried on after the fact, which I think is pretty because Here's the thing. Like, Typically, we would be talking about a movie like this and be like, well, what's the vampire lore? Who's the vampire master? Like, We'd be looking for all of this backstory, especially the last scene when they pull back from the titty twister and you see that it's built on this temple. And <laughs> yes. there's all yes. these trucks yes. and everything like that. Oh, so good. Like, for me, like, Love I that. was always just like, I was so satisfied with that. But it never sparked the thing in my brain to be like... Well, what's the fucking backstory? I was just happy with From Dusk Till Dawn. And I think that is one of its crowning achievements is yeah. you can punch so many holes in it, just like they did at the end of the movie to bring in more sunlight, but you don't oh. really want to. You just enjoy it for what yeah. it is. Yep. Uh, and I'm not I've never seen the sequels. I never watched the show. No. Sorry, Robert Rodriguez. I probably watched Spy Kids more than I've watched your From <laughs> Dusk Till Dawn sequels, uh, and I enjoyed those that, as that well. That blew Connie's mind. I
4: watched it with Connie, and you know what? What we brought up when we were watching it is Blood Red Sky. How it's a vampire movie on a in a place we don't really expect it as much.
1: Yeah. Yep. I thought of that too. It's like a weird
4: setting for a vampire movie, which is if, apparently. You know, uh, for like Let the Right One In or like all these vampire movies. You just put vampires somewhere else and it's a whole new genre of of movie.
1: One thing I I was wondering, just a little thing I was wondering if anybody else noticed at the very beginning, that opening scene at the variety store when they have set the clerk on fire Mm -hmm. and shot him he lands, he's burning up and he uh, lands popcorn. on a display of popcorn <laughs> yes. and the popcorn starts popping. <laughs> yeah. Everyone body.
4: likes that part. Like yeah. when I watch it with Connie, I watch it with Caitlin as well. They're both like, Oh, popcorn. That's yeah. great. Like, uh, like, the, this dude's the
3: documentary shows that whole scene being done with the stunt guy. And like Clooney throwing the paper towels like over, like it shows you that whole. Scene. I want to watch it.
4: It actually sounds great.
3: It's good. It's it's good. Uh, there's a whole a whole thing about this movie where Robert Rodriguez used a non-union crew.
1: Oh right, yeah, that is I, a big I, thing. I read about
3: um, that. I'm not going to go on to like a big thing on the podcast about it, but the documentary does delve into it, and it should inspire you to sort of look at like what the difference is between using union versus non-union. And I think they do an okay job in the doc, like explaining, at least getting you to think about what the difference would be.
2: Pussy, pussy, pussy. <laughs> That's all. That's the last thing I want to say. What is it? Say. If you
3: can find pussy cheaper anywhere,
0: Penny pussy. <laughs> fuck it. Apple pie pussy. <laughs>
2: For all you show us, this is how we feel. Come sit next to me for yourself some tea, just like Grandma made when she couldn't find me. Things were better then once but never again. We for my next nineties week pick. I chose Rodman Flender's 1999 stoner horror comedy, Idle Hands. When slacker teen Anton Tobias has his right hand possessed by a demonic force, he finds his repetitive life gets a lot more interesting. While Anton himself is an amiable guy, his hand proves to be an appendage of death, killing his two best friends who ultimately return as zombies. In addition to murdering those closest to him, the evil hand significantly hinders uh, his chances with the hot girl next door, Jessica Alba. It's up to these doofuses and a hot demon hunter to defeat the evil demonic force that possesses said weird hand. I hadn't seen this movie for a while, but I do remember it being quite the, uh, the hilarious uh, film when I was but a teen. Um, and I wasn't sure if it was going to hold up, to be honest, but I was very pleasantly surprised. Is that because I smoke a copious amount of marijuana? It might be. <laughs> that might be the case. Nonetheless, it made me chuckle. <laughs> and it also had a very cute amount of gore uh, for us to appreciate. I thought the makeup special effects had a nice little touch about them, especially for our cute little stoner boys, Mick and Pnub. P-nub? I'm not really sure how you pronounce that name. Uh, maybe not the goriest situation um, as it could have been, but there were a lot of blood splatters which were cute you know that's always nice i appreciate it i love the shitties 90s soundtrack obviously and i love the comic relief from this horror comedy i think one of my favorite parts is when the two zombie friends you know come back from the dead in that little zombie-like state and the whole reason that they didn't cross over is because they just thought the walk to the light where all the angels were singing to them was just too far. That Man, was funny. It was just too far. We just wanted to stay here. This movie obviously perpetuates a very uh, tough stereotype for us stoners uh, to look like we're <laughs> lazy and we don't do anything. But it's funny. And hey, look at me. I've got a college degree. I've got a cool horror podcast. Uh, so take that, America. I really liked this movie. I thought it was a fun little teen horror comedy. I hope that everyone, including Dave, also thought the same, and everyone had a couple of yucks this week. Okay, who's next?
1: I had never heard of Idle Hands, and when I looked it up, My first thought was, oh, God, here we go. (laughs) This is going to be the 13 ghosts of of this uh, series. I I got Club Dread. Yeah, I had uh, rock-bottom expectations, but I love (laughs) this movie. I think that this movie, and I'm surprised it was a total flop. This movie lost a lot of money. Uh, It was critically panned. Nobody liked this movie at the time, from what I can tell. I think this is a great under the radar, underappreciated, teen black comedy horror. This is tons of, you said there wasn't gore. I thought there was tons of gore in this movie. Me too. I think that if this movie came out today and it was just like, you know, restylized for today's uh, sensibilities, this is, I think, um, maybe hopefully someday will be regarded as kind of a a, a cult classic for the time. Uh, This was 1999, so... You know, a Scream had already been out. I think it was an, in- an inopportune time to try to do something like this. But I think it's really great. And you can watch this uh, on Pluto with ads or you can rent it pretty much anywhere. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. I, th- I thought it was like good, solid, lighthearted, slapstick horror fun. I was surprised. Um, I think this movie is a really good time. I would recommend it. Hated it. No,
4: <laughs> but... No, but what I, w- what I will say though, I I've come... Out many times saying that I am a 90s hater. I just hated yes. the whole era yes. of the 90s. You're a bigot um, when it comes to the 90s. I am. I am. And uh, But if I had to curate something that encapsulated the 90s horror and like what it did and who was involved and everything, I would definitely pick this movie and as well as Dusk Till Dawn. I think you picked very well this week. Um, Thank you. This is the reason... I hate the 90s, (laughs) but it is what the 90s is, and I can't go back and I can't change the 90s. You know what I mean? So I have to now view it. It's over. It's unchangeable. (laughs) So now I just have to try to go and find something in it because even though I don't like this movie... I like my friend cat, and I want to not hurt her feelings.
2: <laughs> well,
4: so thank I'm gonna you. try to find something I like <laughs> I did like a lot of things about this movie uh, a lot of the jokes okay. uh were just. I thought they were very lowbrow, like, oh, the mm-hmm. hand's gone. We need to find it. Oh, my God. Did you check in your ass?
2: And it's like. Okay, Ooh. but I, okay, I do that make that, that a joke? joke a lot, if I'm being honest. There's like so so many whenever jokes, someone's like, looking for something, I'm like, did you check up your butt? They're very so
4: sitcom it, jokes. Um, yeah. And it was very lowbrow. But, I mean, it was enjoyable enough to get through. I mean, I'll say that. But, <laughs> I mean. uh yeah i mean yeah that's only because i like you (laughs) um but i really well thank god for that yeah if i didn't like you if you were my enemy right now the things i would say about this movie would be so so mean. dave i want you to unleash
2: i want you to just take me down a notch i haven't been brought down a pig in at least
4: a couple weeks we have different tastes and i respect other people's tastes I don't think that mine is the end all say all of whatever. I just have mm. certain things that I like better than other things. And and to this, uh, this movie actually, the comedy annoys me more than the horror. I thought all the gore was great. I thought all the special effects are great. I thought yeah. the makeup was great. I yeah. like the dude with the bottle in his head the whole time. Oh, great. And the dude that had to keep like figuring out—he's like trying to hook up—and he just got his head. He's duct carrying taped his on, head around through half the movie. It's <laughs> duct tape's on <laughs> with the things stuck through it. Like I like that stuff. It's the comedy parts that for me, like I just didn't think they were funny. And it like the '90s—it's just like boobs, poop, wiener, weed, mm. and like all those things like in your face. Because I feel like the decade before. I don't know, I, I feel like it's some sort of rebellion, uh, this shock value thing, uh, you know, but I don't know, that's why I don't like the 90s, but I do like this movie, I mean, I, I enjoy no, watching know. it, I don't like this movie. <laughs> no, I, you tolerated I this few, movie, I got through and it for I appreciate you. the most that.
3: generous I have ever seen Dave Gutter.
4: Yeah, I. We, uh, but I, I like the other one, so let's just keep it at that and go ahead. <laughs>
3: Uh, th- this is the most '90s movie of all time, and and it the is. fact it that really it was is. 1999, it was like we're going to just go full '90s. So here's a few reasons why I think some of us have problems with this. Like mm-hmm. this was the epitome of let's throw the band of the day in the movie because that mm-hmm. the '90s I hate that. did that. I hate that. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Clue listed it with like the Boston's, which I love because I was like, "Damn, they deserve, you know, a, a shot." But also, like the '90s was like, "We're gonna inject our specific music into every movie." Yeah. So we watch movies from every era, like you guys. Pick some 70s, some 80s. We watch like uh, contemporary movies now, and they'll throw back to the music. Like they'll just pick something that's perfect. But the 90s was like, you have to have a hot 90s band <laughs> right. on your soundtrack right. for every scene. Yes, yes. It also went away from like the posters. We talk a lot about on the show about, like, oh man, did you see that poster, like the Evil Dead 2 poster, which fucking should have been in this movie I because know, there's right? a possessed hand. Yeah. A, but instead, right. it's like Sublime or like <laughs> L7. Seven. What are you doing? There was a
4: flash oh of Night of the Living Dead.
3: There
1: was. I and
3: dead. That. there, there was, it. was a flash. Mick and P. Nub, which I'll get to later were watching like Day of the Dead. And I was like, oh shit, oh man, they were watching Day of the Dead, not Night of the Living Dead. And then Anton later is watching Night of the Living Dead.
2: I would like to interject, I'm so sorry. I just want to state for the record that I hate Sublime so, (laughs) so, so much. We all hate Sublime, uh, except- And it was just the worst, I think that was the worst part of this film was the amount of Sublime. uh, I think the worst part of this
1: film was that Offspring- stars in this movie as off. yeah but then he gets
2: scalped so at least that happens you guys are totally
3: ruining my take
2: kevin's still on i'm sorry i'm sorry back to kevin continue i'm sorry i mean we just
3: talked about buddy cooper and we debated like how if that was his real name or not but like rodman flender
1: directed this movie
3: are you fucking kidding me
1: interesting Uh, career
3: yeah, I mean I a mean, Harvard guy.
4: So like tread carefully. I mean my this name's might Trent be, Gay. <laughs> I don't might really be a real guy. Lot of room. I
3: mean I'm Kevin Kenny. So I mean I yeah, yeah we all sound pretty name. fake. Yeah, yeah, Cat Smith. Yeah, we all all yeah. we all could be <laughs> totally confused for like yeah pseudonyms. Um, yeah, I mean I mean this guy apparently graduated from Harvard. Started with Roger Corman out of right. college. Right. uh Like worked his way up from like co-producer and then directing did leprechaun 2 so cat you're tied (laughs) into that you can never get away from (laughs) the leprechaun (laughs) series (laughs) yes uh did i idle hands but then he did a bunch of tv the office ugly betty chicago hope the oc tales from the
1: crypt yep
3: big (gasps) friend of conan o'brien's went on tour with him and filmed an entire documentary on conan o'brien yes right he would then direct kirsten dunst Ugh on Becoming a God in Central Florida, but then he Mm. would go back in 2019 to do a movie called Eat Brain's Love, his return to horror comedy. It is one of the few movies in my entire life. I have a rule when I watch a movie. You get past 45 minutes, you gotta finish the movie. This one, I got to 45 minutes, I stopped the fucking movie. Oh no, I wanted to see it. Terrible. Oh, I thought it looked good. It's terrible. Oh, jeez. Terrible. Uh, never watch it okay uh this one i will give a pass i'm going to be in between cat and trent and i think dave i i really think this movie's enjoyable you know why i fucking love seth green i can watch that dude in any movie this was at the peak of him just appearing in buffy the vampire slayer in like can't hardly wait, and like everything that Seth Green was doing, and everything he does now, I just love. So, yep, the gore was good. You were right. The comedy, a little off touch. I actually laughed a lot at this movie, but some of the like things that haven't aged. You're well, off
4: touch as well. What? Maybe you're off touch as well.
3: No, <laughs> touch you. Ew. And Devin Sawa, like how how is mm. Devin Sawa a heartthrob? In the 90s, like, how did Devin Sawa go from this greasy-haired, like, fake Josh Hartnett dude to total heartthrob in 99? And then in 2000, he would do Final Destination, which I was just watching before I came to do the show tonight. Uh, How did Devin Sawa—he looks so gross. And Jessica Alba's just like, "Uh uh-huh.
2: I wouldn't I think he say looks gross at
3: all.
4: I think uh, he looks a lot better I, than yeah, all of us. I wouldn't covered say Devin blood. looks gross. Um I, I,
2: did I, I, you he did you see him in covered. Casper the Friendly Ghost?
1: <laughs> see <laughs> I missed
3: okay, that one. So I feel like this is a generational thing, Kat. You saw mm. him in Casper and you got a crush on him. And then you yes. see him in Idle Hands and Final Destination mm-hmm. and you're like, uh huh.
2: Yep. That's accurate. That's it. Yeah.
1: I think this movie has so many references to so many horror movies that came before it that I felt like I was watching something that uh was made by somebody who's pretty steeped in horror history. I mean, this is like he it's literally Evil Dead too. He cuts off his own possessed hand and then spends the rest of the movie fighting his own possessed hand. You I, have
4: to give, take that back to the Addams family though.
1: Sure. Yeah, okay. Well so even so All right and so, more so to just the point just, just for like
3: facts yeah. the hand actor in this um Christopher Hart was the you hand actor for thing can you stop doing that with your hand no i'm I'm trying I'm, I'm trying to yeah, <laughs> this I'm, I'm is a actually, whole new jazz hands right yeah, here i'm I'm acting we're we doing uh,
2: jazz hands I'm missing jazz hands Sorry, uh, uh the
3: Ooh. hand actor for this Christopher Hart also did thing from the Adams family movies that you're talking Ooh. about
1: Dave. oh that was the same guy same guy <gasps> wow. 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 It's but totally why male roles. models? Like, it's, For, I mean, it's it's pretty. So down, so down. that's
3: a pretty obvious thing to be like, who should we call to do the hand acting? It's perfect.
1: A lot of um, cameos in this movie. Kyle Glass from Tenacious D is in this movie. Tom Delong, uh, Blink-182 is in this movie. What? Yeah. Uh, um, we what? already talked about The Offspring, unfortunately. In this movie, well,
3: Dave hates the Offspring. I do too. They're one and of my least favorite bands. I thought that ever. he would enjoy Dexter Holland getting his scalp ripped off. I
1: did Where enjoy that. Tom I didn't DeLong know who it was show until up. after, and then I was like, "God damn it!" The offspring, Offspring, and
2: Sublime—two of my least favorite bands of me all too. time. Me too. Both figure like prominently offspring. in this movie.
3: I like the Offspring, and I love Blink One Eighty Two.
2: Where does Tom DeLong fit into this? Someone tell he's me when the, he um, showed up. He's
3: in the Burger Joint.
1: Yeah, the Burger Joint. He's one of the employees. <gasps> I kind of liked Like the soundtrack To this movie Obviously features Two of my least favorite bands But it also features The Ramones It features yeah, Ace, it Ace Frehley The so, Offspring Playing the Ramones though Yeah but Fine Whatever um, It features The Ace Frehley song <laughs> oh, Back yeah. in the New York groove From his uh, solo album wow. I thought I thought there were Like a few bright uh, Two live crew <laughs> yeah. it called, Put it that in the great. coochie Or whatever Bust <laughs> the coochie Whatever that song is I thought that was good So there were some highlights In the soundtrack Robert England we have just talked about in uh, the last like three episodes, I feel like, he voices the hand in this movie.
4: Yeah. It's England.
1: <laughs> and that's what I said. England. It's England. Oh, okay, let, let's, you know what, we, I, I wanna put this to bed. The thing is, it's England. <laughs> it's England. What you did wrong, I know, but England, that's what I said, but what you did wrong, Dave, is you said England, like super. England. Yeah, you, you kinda Wait, overdid it. It, it, it's England. So, it's kind of between otherwise. you and Kevin. Like, if you could just take half of each of your pronunciations, I think that would be right. It's Robert England. Um, he uh, inexplicably ends up as the voice of the hand in this movie. Um, I feel like there was a, a, a lot to like about this. I thought it was a good time. Fred Willard, another cameo that plays oh, the dad. Throwaway. Yeah, was, throwaway yeah. Yeah. Oh, throwaway. Throwaway performance. doesn't last Oh, I thought long. it was perfect. Yeah, I thought it was really good.
4: They're they're dead corpses when they were found I was I really like that part I in the that
3: scarecrows was, like the uh, like uh, the American Gothic when like, they're on the floor there yeah, yeah discovers them in there yeah it's what, good it's good I mean you know I mean essentially we haven't even really talked about the movie like Devin Sawa is the laziest piece of shit on earth. He just smokes weed and sits on his couch.
1: He doesn't know. He doesn't notice that his parents have been dead for an entire week. Yes,
3: and he ju- he's just looking for weed, and he doesn't know that his hand has been possessed by an unknown demon that wants to find the laziest person on the fucking planet. And then Vivica A Fox somehow. Oh, I forgot. Uh, Vivica A Fox. <laughs> Vivica A-Fox <laughs> is uh, like what from some like long druid yes. descending family, she's a priest yeah. family yes. that has the dagger that can kill the demon I think she's she still is, from she Kill Bill bear actually yes
4: just butt kicking
3: yes Uh and Devon Sawa wakes up and is like I need some weed I'm gonna go find my friends I found my parents dead there's a great Cold opening in this with Fred Willard and Devon Sawa's mom where they go to bed and like they shut the light off and it's like I'm under the bed really good opening and then Devin Sawa starts killing people and realizes it's his hand that is possessed so he needs one to get weed from his friends but kill them first, and then they come back as zombies. Two, he needs to return a lyric book to his crush that is the girl next door, Jessica Alba, who is amazingly attractive, and he is not. He's covered in blood and sweaty and hasn't showered already, in a week. We already established
4: that and some then, of us find him attractive and some of us don't.
3: Okay, but three, so I wish you could then that, like Vivica, it's fact Vivica, that he's not attractive. A Fox shows up and wants to kill him, and then there's, uh, what is it, Randy? In the truck, who listens to "Shout at the Ooh, Devil"? Randy. The p- That's, all he listens oh. to. That's it. So those are the four main <laughs> plot my points of the movie.
2: Yeah, he's my follow-up daddy of the week for sure. Oh, follow-up daddy of the week. Ten out of ten. Would be Cat is Randy.
3: swiping hard this week. When, when
4: I was a kid, <laughs> I would have like worshipped that dude. I would have. Yeah, he drove dude. a
2: Ford. It was awesome. He
1: just played that same Molly Crew song all the time. Great eyeball stuff mm-hmm. in both of these movies. In this movie, you have the the kitty cat playing with the eyeball on the floor, which oh, I really yeah. appreciated. Yeah. This movie also contains one of the grossest scenes, for my money. We, we talked about the mutilator last week. We've talked about lots of disgusting stuff. But when Peanub, whose head has been severed, but he's now undead, and he carries his own head around. At some point, um, Seth Green's character puts his head Uh-oh. back onto him. him. Kevin, uh, you know where I'm going. So he's had his severed uh, head yeah. now reinstated back onto his body. And he eats one of those microwave burritos that you get at seven <laughs> 11 and the, beans. the burrito starts coming out through his neck where uh, his neck is. <laughs> like, that's
3: good stuff. I ate so many. I was so was poor in high stuff. school. I ate so many of those that when I saw that and like,
1: yeah, it was, yeah, that I was, I was so disgusted. Life. I was dying when that happened. That yeah. was worth the admission.
3: So a lot of this movie is really inappropriate. Uh, When Anton first realizes his hand is possessed, he decides that one thing he's going to do is head over, or actually his hand, his evil hand, throws his cat into the bushes. He goes to find his cat, and it's over at Jessica Alba's place. And she discovers him in her yard and is like, oh, do you want to come in? And he's clearly been obsessing about her for years. And he goes in and all of a sudden she's like way into him. And the evil hand grabs her ass really hard. And she's like, oh, I never thought you'd have the balls to do that. (laughs) And then we descend into immediate, total inappropriate scene where he, she starts making out with him hard. He ties his hand to the bed. To not kill her, so that he won't kill her. Yeah, yeah, and she at no point is like, "Oh, you haven't showered in days, and you're covered in blood." But let's do this. Right, doing it
4: again. Leave him alone. What's so inappropriate
3: about
1: that? I don't understand. What's inappropriate about that?
2: I guess the thing, the question that I'm wondering is, how these kids were what, seventeen years old?
1: Yeah, they're teenagers,
2: and they're already getting into kinky shit. No, he's tying his
1: hand so that it doesn't kill her. His hand is possessed. Okay, but
2: she doesn't know that.
1: Yeah, but I, I picture it. her as like, the cool. same
4: Jessica Alba that we watched in The Killer Inside Me.
1: I, I, don't, I don't kink shame, so I found nothing wrong with
2: that. I'm not here to kink shame. I'm just, you, you, do you understand where I'm coming from? Where it's like, okay, you're 17 years old and this random boy that you have literally never talked to brings you your book that maybe he stole it from you and is just like bringing it back or something. And you're like, oh, come on in. And then he's like, hold on, on i got to tie my hand up real quick. (laughs) And then I won't choke you to death. Covered in blood. I don't know. Personally, that seems like a thousand red flags. (laughs) And I feel like she should have started off just being like, no, thank you, please. But again, but who am I to judge? Only God can judge us. Am I right, you guys?
1: I mean, he didn't tie her up. He was tying himself up which is okay a but weird. like doesn't that me, seem weirder i personally yeah i think that's kind of weird but his yeah. hand was possessed it's by satan so it was
4: clearly consensual all of it
1: yeah yeah
3: it was, mm. i just i mean jessica alba was was really dumbed down in her character the entire movie until all of a sudden when shit broke out at the dance a la carrie yes and mm. she's Climbing through ducts and suddenly figuring out how to, like, stop ventilator fans from
4: doing. Unsuccessfully
3: stopping. But, like, very capable. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a movie where, like, you guys, like, you said it, Dave. Like, it was, like, what? um, Like, boobs, weed, like, wieners. wieners Poop. And then all of a sudden- Where's uh, the poop? What wins at the beans, end? What beans. What wins at the end?
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> at the end, weed wins.
1: Yeah, this the, yeah, this right. is kind of like- Yeah, like this is they, mighty they, Joe they, bomb. Like,
3: weed and sexualization wins. It's the opposite yes. of a slasher. This is so the like, Friday oh, of right, '94. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's rip Jessica Alba's uh, shirt off. So we get to see some skin. Yeah. let's blow some weed smoke up the puppet that the oh, hands wearing. Right, right, and weed cute. wins. Like it's a total. It, it's so nineties. It it's hurts. yeah. Like, it's like, uh,
1: ahead of its time. I think it's pro weed. Oh, ahead it's of its pro- time. Oh wow. Yeah, it's pro weed. Yeah, it's pro. ready kink. to put
3: this in the Criterion collection. I think this is a good movie. Do
1: man. it. I think do that it. this you know,
4: is. I think you could use that as a promo, and you could just have that dude's head, severed head, be like, ahead of its time.
3: Oh, <laughs> fun oh.
1: facts. Ready. Okay, yeah, let's get into some facts. So this was
3: filmed in the same neighborhood as Halloween. On Halloween? Oh, the it gym, takes place, The right? gym was the same as a Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, fuck yeah. And Jawbreaker. Ooh. Seth Green obviously has a tie to Buffy the TV show. Not the movie. Also, Roger Ebert himself gave this movie two and a half stars. And I love this oh. quote. It's not bad. Idle Hands Idle Hands samples other teen horror movies like a video DJ with a tape deck.
1: Yep. True.
3: Vivica A. Fox, this is also from Ebert, gives the best line of the movie. It's time for the ritualistic sex. <laughs> Literally, yes. like, out of nowhere. It makes no sense, but it's fucking well, awesome. And she's Randy, about to
2: fuck Randy. Yeah, That's and, what makes yeah, sense.
3: Exactly, Kat. Like, Randy is going to get some. I don't know how that fits into, like, characters that deserve what they're going to get. But, you know. Well,
2: Randy didn't really do anything wrong. He was just, like, kind of like a cool guy who, like, had a cool truck.
1: Yeah, yeah.
4: You know, that's the thing I was thinking about the 90s. Why I don't like the 90s is because when you were in the 90s, you were still like protected at home with your mom and dad or whatever your well, situation. Well, whatever. You know, but I was out there. Trent was out there. <laughs> I was. Like These goofballs that have this sense of humor. <laughs> like they were in the bar with us, like trying to fight us and stuff like, hey, maybe it's up your ass, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and,
2: and like, that's
4: why I don't like the 90s. And that's why I don't find like some of the jokes funny in this. You know what I mean?
2: Dave, you should have done '90s week. Why did you? Why did? Why did I do '90s week? Is I the thought, real question because here? Because it, it was. You're the '90s kid. I thought yeah, you, you did a
1: great job. I, I liked both of these picks. I think for me we're six for six, and it's Kevin on the hot seat now. Better come up. with Oh. Some.